0: Welcome to System Mastery, the last podcast. Still going 20 years after the bomb, in the bunker we call home. Today's episode is Darwin's World, a dour, grim, sad little OGL title. It's mutants, but no masterminds on today's System Mastery. Welcome to System Mastery, it's me, your charming, mutated host, Jeff, joined, as always, by John. A growth on my shoulder. <laughs>
1: Start the reactor.
0: <laughs> hey, you're not in my stomach. <laughs> A different reactor. You ain't quato, quit trying to pretend like you is.
1: Nah, I'm Thurdo.
0: <laughs> it's me, Pento, you know. So, uh, today we're going to be discussing... Oh, gosh, Uh, Darwin's World. But before we get into that, John, how are you doing? I haven't seen you in a month.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Things are going, you know, about as well as they can. I ate a donut today, so that's
0: great. Oh, that's good. That's a great way to fight back against the darkness.
1: Oh, it is. It's wonderful.
0: Mm -hmm. I know it's the little steps you need to take to uh, to kind of get things back to normal, and uh, I'm glad to hear that you're eating donuts again. Yep. I had a a
1: nice lemon
0: filled jelly donut, and it
1: healed my soul
0: that's good. I'm glad to hear that I got the same thing off just straight up, making some nachos today. oh yeah, making nachos, yeah, nachos are great they are so uh yeah they're just they're just phenomenal. I feel like we're living in the apocalypse, but uh you know, why not review games set there and uh Darwin's world is definitely one of those
1: you know it's it's an angry apocalypse, unlike the sad apocalypse that we are in now.
0: Yeah, yeah, the current one is kind of a slow burn apocalypse. This is one of those, you know, the war happened and now the world is, you know, mutations and leftovers. This is uh this is sad. I mean, there 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 is some development as to the story as, and what happened. Well, uh,
1: I mean, you can tell that this is very much just This person's attempt at making a Mad Max role-playing game, Mm -hmm. uh, because that's the flavor of Apocalypse. It's very Wastelands, Raiders, everyone needs water and gas, like, it is that sort of thing. Except when you read the background of, like, oh, what happened? You're like, oh, Earth is way more fucked up than it would be in, like, The Road Warrior
0: yeah basically they they kill off their own ozone layer sometime in the nineties like it and it's completely gone so now everybody has to live in underground shelters uh then there's years and years of just entropy, and no one's no one can go anywhere and everyone's trapped underground but the United States and all the other countries are still kind of like trying to stay in business and now it's over everything is just bullshit, and you you the only law is do what thou wilt.
1: Yeah, I mean, reading through, a lot of the times they kind of just say, oh, uh, nukes fell, most people died, and now there's, you know, radiation and people wearing tires on their shoulders. But with this one, they really wanted to go into like, oh, yeah, and then because so much of the ozone layer was missing that when the water evaporated, it just went into space,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's it's just a little more grim than most of the other books you read about the post apocalypse. Uh another note about this book is the art is just like four pictures ever in the whole book, all of which seem to have been done on the like graphic arrangement program that came on a 1991 Mac.
1: Yeah. And I oh god, I I know that that's what this podcast is because this is going to be it's an OGL game, so it's not like we're really going to be going very deep into mechanics here. God damn it, the way that he describes this post-apocalypse world, I just keep going, my dude, no one exists here. You have yeah, a section yeah. where he talks about like, oh, uh, most of the phytoplankton on the planet went extinct. And I'm like, you also said that, I mean, that's like 90% of the Earth's oxygen, but mm-hmm. also that like most of the planet is just sort of desert or the occasional just scrubland. So I'm like, there's no rainforest or anything. Everyone is dead. You've destroyed all of the ozone layer and all of the oxygen. I don't care about what mutants or raiders you think are out there. Everyone's dead.
0: Yeah, I mean, he does that thing where he's like, okay, well, I think that if I eliminate all the phytoplankton and kill off three quarters of the trees, then there'll only be enough oxygen on Earth to support a very small population. And that's why there's so few people left. But oxygen doesn't work that way. Like, we need the (laughs) oxygen to be, like, you know, 21% or so of the atmosphere in order to survive. Yeah, there needs to be
1: a concentration (laughs) level here.
0: (laughs) If it's, like, 3% of the uh, atmosphere is oxygen, everyone will die, not most of us. It's not like we're hoarding the oxygen. Yeah, there's (laughs) just so
1: much of the description of what's going on here. I'm like, you keep setting up things that you think is, oh, that makes life tough, and it's, no, that makes life impossible. mm-hmm,
0: yeah, that seems to be a regular thing. uh the art is so cheaply done that it doesn't make any sense like there's this the first picture you see is a picture of like a b twenty four bomber that says like, "Damn the British, remember Boston so I guess the England and the u s got in a war around World War two.
1: Well, no, because this is a different universe where post world War two America went full isolationism. So they didn't right. help out with anything in Europe, like with Reconstruction or anything like that. And apparently that caused all of Europe and the rest of the world, without the U.S.'s helping guiding hand, to just shit the bed entirely. Yeah. And then eventually, like, World War Three is just everyone versus everyone. Mm-hmm. So... The, the poster is basically like, hey, remember when the British came over and nuked Boston? Ah, never forget, because instead <laughs> of 9-11, we had that, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Uh, okay, let's get into the meat and potatoes. This, uh, like John mentioned, is an OGL game, which means it's based on third edition Dungeons and Dragons rules. Uh, it uses the same stick, six stats you've heard a million times over the course of your life. Uh, uses 4d6 drop low it it basically takes everything from the player's handbook strips out all the like regular choices you have to make and replaces them with post-apocalyptic stuff so the species that you can play as in this game are variant de- various degrees of how mutated you are
1: yeah now this is a thing that a lot of the time when i see like an ogl game i have to always ask is there a reason you went with ogl or was it just like, because it's there? Because this uh, yeah. game is very much a, just because it was there, because they strip out fucking everything.
0: Yeah, the stuff that gets left in is weird. Like, there's a section on weapons where it's like, hey, there's still medieval pole arms. They're just vanishingly rare. Yeah. Like, you don't you don't need to have them in there just because they're in the PHB. You can just say no one knows where a Vulge is.
1: I mean except so much of the shit from the PHB they're like races all of them gone except for human but even human were changing fucking for classes none of them exist here we've got all new classes we've mm-hmm. got a ton of skills that you don't use there's no such thing as magic none of the items are there I'm like man you're not
0: <laughs> I mean I sympathize because there was a period there where I mean you and I lived through it that was game empire back in the day where of the store shelf was OGL shit. Like, if you weren't making OGL or Vampire, you weren't on the shelf. Which
1: is weird to me, because having lived through it, everyone I know just sort of went, oh, but I already have D&D. Why would I pay for someone's house rules for D&D?
0: Yeah, I think I maybe knew, like, one friend who would routinely buy these types of games, Uh, even then it was mostly just to read them. He, he, his basic plan was, well, I know how the rules are going to work already. So I can just get more stuff, Hmm, hmm. Uh, but yeah, almost no one that I've ever met has been a a avowed fan of one OGL licensed title. They just, I mean, maybe the star Wars one, but otherwise people just didn't really like this stuff.
1: Yeah. It was weird because it was so saturated in the market and you would think, oh, that means it must have been doing something correctly. But I guess it was just, oh, we don't have to really pay a designer to make our stuff?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was the first time that that, uh, RPGs, I mean, I'd say other than the very first time, because the first couple of RPGs were like, you know, student projects or just Gygax writing in his basement. But uh, the OGL explosion was a chance for a lot of people who otherwise we were struggling with designing their own role-playing game to go, oh, okay, well, here's all the rules. All I need to do is stick costumes on it. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, kind of an equalizer for game designers. Uh, but on the other hand, the moment it equalized, every store shelf was full of everyone's crap. And, you know, the big companies just quietly settled in and took over. White Wolf did a bunch of shit in OGL.
1: Yeah, it was, it's one of the things where I go, I understand that if you were a designer, you're like, oh, cool. Now I I can just sort of use this as a a baseline and then go from there and I don't have to worry about, you know, whether or not my mechanics are balanced cuz they did that for me. <laughs> but <Yeah.
0: laughs>
1: the the issue comes with oh, but when everyone has this on the shelf, then there's no reason to pick up your dumb nonsense because there was a reason to get, you know, Vampire the Masquerade back in the day cuz It wasn't D&D.
0: Yeah, there was a great reason to pick up Vampire back in the day. You thought you might score with a goth.
1: (laughs) Oh, I never had that delusion. I still picked it up, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, Well, actually, no, I didn't read Vampire until we were reviewing it for the show. Uh, Okay, so they strip out the races and replace them with various degrees of how mutated people are. Uh, they use a mechanic that we haven't had a chance to talk about in OGL stuff all that much prior to now, which is the level adjustment.
1: Yes, that is an actual, like, big thing in this, because the race you are, depending, has a level adjustment, but the background pick that you get also has a level adjustment and just a bunch of dumb nonsense.
0: Now, if you're wondering what a level adjustment is, uh, they are basically ways of saying, oh, would you like to play a slightly more powerful character than normal? Uh, in in 3rd uh, Edition and in 3.5, it would be things like, oh, would you like to play as a, an ogre or a half-giant or uh, an angel? Then you can do that, but you're going to start five levels lower than other people, but with the hit points... To match, Like, you'll be, you know, if everyone in the party is level six and you have a level adjustment of five, then you're a first level of whatever you are with six levels of monster hit points and attack powers and so on. You just, they were an attempt to find a balancing point that let people play as bigger, scarier things.
1: Now, the way it works in this game uh, with the level adjustment is they just say, if you have a positive level adjustment, so let's say... I pick a bunch of stuff, and I am plus two on level. What they're saying is, no, you're level one, but you have the XP track as if you were level three. So to get to level two, you're essentially needing the XP that it would take to go from level three to level four.
0: Yeah, this one's using uh, level adjustment debt, which is another thing that was pretty common in in OGL games, and it was in the original game itself. The problem that this game tends to skirt a little bit better than D&D. In D&D, level adjustment was basically a death knell. You didn't play level-adjusted races, and the reason for that is because there's no amount of how good your angel dick smells that makes up for the most powerful thing in Dungeons & Dragons one level of spellcasting. Yes. Uh, So if you were like, well, I'm going to play a a, a cool half-demon archfey or whatever, oh, cool, that's level adjustment six, and if you're going to be a wizard, you're going to suck forever.
1: Yeah. This mostly just means... Since there's no real magic and pretty much the spell list that you would normally get is replaced by just 50 pages of equipment, uh, you can be like, oh, it's fine. I can be a few levels behind because it doesn't fucking matter if I get a laser pistol at some point during the adventure. I've basically made up whatever I would have had anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So this it does work in here. Uh, it's not as dire, but then then again, that's mostly just because this game isn't as interesting. It doesn't matter what level you are, you're still just some sort of shit-heap junk-dweller trying the be- their best to survive in a world where everyone's a gross mutant.
1: I mean, especially because, I mean, we haven't really gotten to the classes yet, but there's only a couple combat classes, and then the rest are just sort of like, I have some skills, and the problem is, when you're using a and d OGL thing, The game is about combat, so if you play a character that's like, what do you do? Oh, I'm smart. Okay, well, the smart person in D&D has spells. What do you have? Nothing. Skill
0: bonuses.
1: I have a plus four to knowledge of the ancients. Oh,
0: great. (laughs) Sure. Whatever. So the four races you can choose to play as are human, uh, first generation mutant, second generation mutant, and in a surprise twist, third generation mutant.
1: Yeah. Now, the humans are just the few people who manage to be in, like, full-on biodome or, uh like, shelter, bomb shelter type things where you're like, oh, you have survived untainted from all of the fallout and chemical and uh, bio plagues and everything that got dropped during World War Three. so yeah, you're just your chance- a human.
0: It's your chance to play as your Polly Shore or your... Jeff Daniel. Yes. That's indeed. who the other guy in Biodome was, right? I'm not I'm not it's it's Pauly Shore and Jeff Daniels, is that correct?
1: Uh I thought it was a Baldwin. I thought it was Stephen oh. Baldwin. Oh,
0: you're right, it is Stephen Baldwin. Sorry, Jeff Daniels. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeff
1: Daniels has way better things to do than be in Biodome.
0: Yeah, he sure does. Uh, okay, so in any race, yeah, it's it's your Polly Shore. First generation mutants are the worst. They're just like, oh, we're a little mutated and it sucks, and we're usually, like, feral or degenerate, and we don't belong anywhere, and no one likes us. Second-generation mutants are kind of the bulk of mutant kind. They are the ones who form up the largest societies that still exist on the ruined Earth.
1: Yeah, because usually first-gen is, oh, you're just starting mutating from, like, uh, decent stock. Like, uh, regular humans had a... a- Mutant, And you've got a little deformity. Mostly it's shit that isn't good for you. But the second gen are like, oh, you've mutated to the point where it's actually like had natural selection for certain mutations. So you have more mutations that are useful rather than just like, I have a club foot or I'm the elephant
0: man. Now, if you're curious what mutations look like in this game, and we will get to them in depth later, but just for a quick, simple introduction, uh, they are a merits and flaws system that have three levels of points that you can spend to buy mutations. As you can probably imagine, a lot of the merits have flaws in them. Hmm. Uh, because this game was designed by someone who was trying to push that whole dower message.
1: Well, I mean, also, a lot of the flaws have no flaw to them.
0: That's true. Some of them are things like, you'll die in 35 years. There are no other penalties.
1: Or just, hey, you have alopecia. You don't have hair. Does this do yeah. anything mechanically? It does not.
0: Yeah. So the variations between the three types of mutants, or variations, excuse me, I'm not describing stripes. Uh, the variations between the three types of mutants are that the uh, first generation just has less points to spend on, on uh Benefit beneficial mutations. The second generation has a little more, and the third generation has the most. Basically, uh, your
1: third gen mutants are, at this point, like the X-Men, because they yes. have actual superpowers.
0: They do. They have access to some of the mutations that the other two race, or, uh, groups don't have. That said, they do need to spend a, a significant amount of points on defects as well. Uh, so, I mean, they're not really like the X-Men. I guess they're kind of more like Beak than Cyclops. Well, I mean the I mean you can make is, technically
1: cyclops. The the other uh
0: mutants mm-hmm.
1: they get for first gen you get 4 points, for second you get up to 10, but you have to take an equal amount of defects. For the third gen, yeah. You can you have to spend 10, but you get 16 to buy with. So you actually get more points in benefits than you do in drawbacks.
0: Right. Now, uh, you also, as a third-generation mutant, have a level adjustment of plus two. So that's theoretically the trade-off. The the second-generation mutant has a plus one. Humans and first-generation mutants have a plus zero.
1: Now, Uh, the other thing to note with mutants is anyone who isn't a full-blood human has a medical incompatibility with uh, medicine that the ancients made. mm -hmm. So if you are a first-gen mutant, you have to make a fort save, but there's no penalty. Uh, second gen mutants have to make a save, but they do it at minus two and third gen have a minus six.
0: Yes. Now there is a mutation that you can take that it, that overrides that. Yeah.
1: You can just take a mutation that is, yeah, but I like medicine.
0: Yeah. And it's a minor. So if you're a third generation muta- mutant, you're just gonna be like, oh, okay, I'll spend one point on making it so that my only drawback doesn't exist. Yes.
1: <laughs> I have wings, and I can shoot psychic bolts, and also, fuck you, I also get medicine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first generation mutant is also our first exposure to what I would go ahead and say about in this game is a uh, blatant disregard for people with disabilities.
1: Yeah. I mean, gee, be creepy. This game uh came out, like, in the 2000s. But Mm -hmm. it feels very much like it was written by a high school kid in 1994. Yep. Because in the first gen mutants, they have lists for like, oh, what are the sort of names you would have? So if you're just a human, they're like, oh, you probably have a name like you would have today. Yeah. But if you're a first gen mutant, then you probably have a name like that. But with a nickname moniker, you know, like Jim the Hunchback or Ralph the Retard. (sighs)
0: Yeah, I'm sure that's just in there because of the alliteration, but that word is going to show up constantly. Uh, In fact, it's even just the name of one of the, uh, I think it's one of the benefits beneficial mutations actually. Oh no. One of know, the beneficial mutations
1: is. is autism.
0: But the of the uh the, here's the thing, that you keep thinking that this game's gonna have fun, fascinating mutations, and it has a couple, you know, like wings or oh you can briefly turn invisible or you can breathe underwater. But for each one of those that's kind of cool, there's like two that are things like you have cystic fibrosis.
1: Yeah. And I like I get that they're going like, oh no, this is an actual mutation that you would have that is bad. Like you got exposed to radiation, congratulations, you have tumors, because that's the way that works.
0: And the research, given that he decided or whoever the author was decided to go hard in the paint towards these like actual real disabilities and diseases, he he needed they needed to do some real fucking research, and they didn't. So, for example, one of the mutations you can get is cystic fibrosis. It's a uh, it's a moderate penalty mutation, a defect, as you will. And the only description for it is, you will live to 35 or so. There are no in-game penalties. (laughs) Suggesting to me that this guy has never met a cystic fibrosis sufferer.
1: Yeah, the, uh, I mean, I guess if you're saying in this, the capital letters Twisted Earth, Mm -hmm. cystic fibrosis means there isn't any way to live with it past that
0: point? I guess... I mean the thing is we're talking about cystic fibrosis is uh, uh it it's just a mess it's it's it, I mean it, it, they they do tend to have a shorter than normal lifespan it, it's just kind of a weird thing and, and notably the fact that it has no in-game penalty beyond a limited lifespan means that what you're going to see is everybody taking it and when they're forced to take defects
1: well yeah the weird thing for me is I mean, we're jumping all over this fucking book, but the mutations, which are the beneficial ones you can get are all just with a few exceptions, goofy nonsense. You're like, oh, what do you have? I can have psychic powers or I've got like a weird respiratory system that lets me breathe gas and I can shoot eye beams out of my face. But then you get into the defects and it's all just things like, oh, you've got a hormone imbalance or a pituitary deformation or like actual real things.
0: One of them, for example, is mongoloid, where you you are suffering. It has no in-game effects. It just makes sure that you know you are a mutant.
1: Yep. Which are about five things in here. An aberrant Mm -hmm. deformity, alopecia, alopecia. Uh, bilirubin imbalance, a non,
0: non-lethal tumors,
1: uh, pigment change, like all of these have a no mechanical effect. It's just people know you're a mutant, which given that I'd say 95 to 99% of the population of earth is mutants at this point, who gives a shit?
0: Yeah, well, notably, it seems like everybody does. When you're reading that description of first-generation mutants, it's like, oh, everyone hates you completely, and and they get thrown out, and you have to be raised by yourself in the the wild desert graveyard that is the United States now, and, you know, eat a dick. But then you're like, wait, who's doing that to this person? Humans. The
1: The whole point is, regular humans have a first-gen mutant, and they're like, oh, no, our bloodline.
0: I know, but they're, like, so rare. Like, basically, we're saying there's... Oh, a couple thousand humans left, and they all live in ultra-sealed biodomes where they become like degenerate weirdos, hedonists, who spend all their time dancing and worshipping a glowing statue. And then every once in a while, one of them will give birth to a kid who has a minor deformity, and they'll just throw them out the, the airlock. What we're saying is a super small percentage of an already super small percentage of people are going to be first generation mutants. Yep. So the whole thing where it's like, oh, no one likes you is going to be, yeah, but the moment you get thrown to the surface, you're just thrown into a world where everyone's a mutant. So, you know, all yeah. those negative reaction penalties should just go away.
1: The thing is, you can, you have an like four point limit. You have an upwards limit of four as a first gen mutant and an upward limit of six as a second gen. Which means you could just have the exact same amount of deformities and mutations and whatnot between first and second. No one would know. If you both spent four points, no one's going to go, yeah, but you're a first gen.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. New money mutation. (laughs) Look how gauche they are (laughs) 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 with their Ed Hardy tumors.
1: Yeah, it's just it's a real weird choice for so many things in this book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So once you've chosen one of these four species, so to speak, uh, you're going to go to your background section where you choose one of the many uh, colorful backgrounds that that uh, define how you come up in the world of mutation. Uh, each one of them kind of feels like it's the main character of a different crappy 70s post-apocalyptic movie.
1: Yeah. Now, this is where they stuck the stat adjustments. So mm-hmm. instead of that being in your race, as far as picking what kite... Kind of mutant you are, it's instead your background is what kind of stat change you have. Mm -hmm. So if you're, you know, a uh, feral, like you just grew up in the wilds without anyone taking care of you, you're pretty much a half orc. You get plus two strength and con, minus one int, minus two charisma.
0: Yeah. Notably, it's interesting that a lot of these guys get charisma penalties, and I think only one of them gets a charisma bonus. it's interesting because these people come up in societies of like-minded people. So well, for I mean, example,
1: feral makes sense because you didn't come up in any society.
0: No, I know. I know. But like the last one that you can choose the advanced, which is where you grew up in some sort of ultra advanced civilization, uh, that, that has sprouted amongst the ruins and it's, probably a group of dark people or whatever, they get plus two intelligence, plus two wisdom, minus four charisma, which is a huge charisma penalty, and you've got to wonder if it applies to their dealings with each other. I
1: mean, the whole point is it says that they have a minus four charisma because they are assholes to other people, but that mm-hmm. still means everyone in that society doesn't like everyone else in that society, which it, I guess is okay?
0: It just changes the baseline. In certain... Uh, ones of these backgrounds they're they give charisma penalties that for, I swear, the only reason they're doing it is because they couldn't think of another stat to give a penalty to, Hmm. uh, notably guardian, which is like, Oh, we're kind of like the defenders of the ancient lifestyle. We're kind of the paladins of the wasteland sort of thing. I mean, this
1: is your sort of standard road warrior. I go around and do good.
0: Yeah, they get plus one intelligence, plus one wisdom, minus two charisma, and then it explains those that decision by saying, those of such an advanced community possess the education and know-how to maintain a higher level of intelligence and understanding of ancient ways than other groups. There's no explanation for why they get a minus two charisma. It's yeah. I, I'm almost certain it's because they needed to zero out, and they, they were like, well, charisma doesn't fucking matter, put it there. Which is
1: weird, because... If you're the visionary reinventor background, you just get plus two intelligence. Full stop. Nothing else.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, the guardian is interesting because it's a level adjustment of plus two. I, I think what the thing that they're valuing super highly for why they end up having so much of a high level adjustment is they are proficient with all simple martial and exotic weapons, and they Getty. have three favored classes.
1: Because normally, exotic weapon is a just an ass load of stuff in this. Because any like laser pistol, vibro weapon, shock baton, whatever you're talking about is an exotic weapon, and every single one of them requires a different exotic weapon proficiency to use. Yeah, there's like
0: 11 pages of pictures of badly drawn laser guns.
1: Yeah, because if you happen to start the game and you're like, oh, I started with an exotic weapon proficiency, I picked, let's say, laser pistol, because I hope I get one. And you go into some place somewhere and you find a laser glaive. You're like, well, fuck now I have to get a feat and then spend it on this. So the plus two level adjustment for being able to say, yo, anything I find I can use is actually pretty decent.
0: When you're flipping through the endless pictures of various types of laser guns that you're never going to get because the game encourages you not to hand them out. Uh, You see one, and there's one that was buried the lead of of what could make this game interesting, uh, which is like a hydrogen ion dispersion pistol or something. But in the art, it says hydrogen pistol, alien manufacture.
1: Yeah, when you read the description, it's, oh, people think that, you know, this was made by aliens because it's so weird and different from the other guns that people normally see.
0: Content warning, this game contains no aliens.
1: Yeah, because it... It's just like, oh, and then when the earth fucked itself over, I guess they must have left.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or they're waiting now that we fucked ourselves over for everyone to die so they can have the planet. Which why this
1: planet is garbage now.
0: <laughs> yeah. So of these of these groups, there's uh there's actually quite a few of them. Uh but the the core ones, the feral we already talked about, primitive is just slightly more advanced feral. Ritual preservationists are the the, uh, the the ones that make up the real road warrior cultures. They're the people who are like, what are you? Oh, we keep one weird thing about the ancient past alive and we all worship it. Like, oh, all of us live in a Harley Davidson store and we worship the mighty leather jacket.
1: Yeah, it's just, what is this? People who don't really know what was going on, they just have one thing that they know about
0: uh resentfuls are the uh, and radicals are both people who hate the way that the uh the world has become thanks to the ancients and so they hate hate ancient technology and they tend to try and live in harmony with nature or just spend their time busting up cars yep uh degenerates are just gang member types who run around being assholes resurrectors are trying to bring back the past visionary reinventors are doing the same thing as resurrectors but with machines uh hedonists are the That part in any given 70s post apocalypse movie where they finally get to underground and everyone's wearing like white robes and has silly face paint and they're singing a dumb song in high pitched voices.
1: Oh, yeah. This is the oh, you made it to the humans only biodome and in there everyone is wearing like sheer gauze and eating grapes and talking about how they want their, I don't know, robot servants to fuck them. It's. It's like if you took all of the uh, fatness out of WALL-E, because they're just, oh, we have robots to do everything, so we lounge about and have Mm -hmm. ridiculous parties.
0: Yeah, and in the 70s ones, they'd always be like, and now we shall watch psychedelic television. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Each of us is dressed in the finest of silver jumpsuits. Yeah. What's that, Sean Connery? You would like to introduce us to the ways of the penis? (laughs)
1: <laughs> ah, I heard the penis was bad, but the gun was good.
0: Yeah, and then the advanced I already talked about. Then, then that's with that out of the way... Oh, and by the way, those also have level adjustments on them. The maximum level adjustment you can get to in this game is a level adjustment plus five if you are a third-generation mutant from a secret advanced society. All right? Class No, that's plus that, four. Is it? I thought the, you, yeah, uh, they're both third, plus two. Oh, they're both plus two. My bad. Now, uh, it does okay.
1: have a thing where if you get a level adjustment, because there are negative ones... You can't go below a standard like level adjustment of zero. But if mm-hmm. you're at like level adjustment negative one or two, you should get a free feat.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, you uh, fucked
1: yourself over for no reason. Have a feat.
0: I mean you didn't really, because these level adjustments on the backgrounds don't feel balanced in any way. No. Uh so so anyway, there are five classes in the game. And again, they're just standard post-apocalypse tropes. You've got the guy who's good at fighting, the guy who's good at fighting while he's riding a motorcycle.
1: Now, hold on. Ah. It's good to note that the first one is the Guardian, which is also the name of a society. So you can be a Guardian Guardian in this.
0: Yeah, and technically there is a third, there's a prestige class that basically follows that track as well. So you can kind of be a a Guardian 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 Paladin. Guardian. (laughs) Guardian, do you like old movies?
1: Guardian, I need you to go find me something from the ancients.
0: The Guardian even mentions that it's basically the fighter, and yeah, it's basically the fighter. It's the fighter plus some extra bonuses.
1: Yeah, Uh, because you have the bonus feat that fighter has, you have the uh, base attack and save progression of a fighter. It's just in between your bonus feat levels, you also get called shot
0: bonus. Yeah, you get a stacked bonus to called shot, you get defender at first level, which is a useless, it's it's classic useless prestige class bullshit. You get a plus two to, uh, or morale bonus to attack rolls if you're defending your homeland or your loved ones.
1: Yeah. You don't count for defending your own stuff, but if you're defending your community, then you get a plus two.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then finally, they get shoot to kill as their capstone at level 20. Uh, Capstone is a one-per-day ranged coup de gras.
1: Yeah, you spend a move-equivalent action to aim, and you can do a super damaging attack.
0: Mm-hmm. With a gun at range. Uh, Raider is basically a motorcycle fighter. They also have fighter stat progression and fighter, and fighter save progression. Uh, they get more armor as they level up because they cover anything they're wearing with chains and leather because they're bikers.
1: Yeah, I mean the, the real thing is Guardian is your ranged fighter, raider is your melee fighter.
0: Yeah. Now the difference is that uh they get more unique and bespoke abilities and less bonus feats. They get bonus feats on three level instead of on two level.
1: But then uh, they get stuff like, Oh, I've got bonus AC and bonuses to attacking people from a car.
0: Yeah, their level three ability, for example four ability is boarding party which is a a circumstance bonus to jumping from one vehicle to another during combat
1: good somebody Uh, somebody saw some road warrior
0: good news at level seven you get slaver
1: uh although that's just oh you can do bonus sub damage because you're trying to knock people out
0: yeah so you can take them as slaves uh oh boy yeah, there's a lot of that, too. Uh, the next class is Scav, which is the rogue of this game, more or less. They get backstab bonuses, and they are scavengers.
1: Yep, you got your sneak attacks and various senses for things.
0: This is the one I wanted to talk about pretty directly, because much like in 3rd Edition, there is a little guide for how to build your character for each one of these classes, Uh and you probably remember that from reading the 3.x PHP. So they're like, oh, you know, your alignment, your hit die, your abilities. Alignment should be any neutral. Hit die, this guy gets a D8. Ability. Constitution should be your most important asset for the scav, permitting them to operate for extended periods in overheated or overradiated areas of ruin. You should put Constitution as your highest stat. Constitution nope. doesn't do anything for a scav.
1: Yeah, well, they don't have any powers. It's just, hey, I guess... I guess have this because thematically you're supposed to be in places where you would be making fort checks.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, they they, uh, they do get a bonus. to Their, their uh, good saves are fort and reflex, so that's nice, I guess. So it increases your fort save a little more. There are no con skills. The only stat that the uh, scav interacts with in a way that other classes don't is they have an ability called canny defense that lets them get a wisdom bonus, uh, to apply to their dexterity if they're unarmored, for, for AC purposes. Yeah. So the, you know, if, you're, if you're unarmored, you get your wisdom and your dex AC, or bonuses to AC. Uh, this is not mentioned in the abilities uh, recommended section. It's just like, hey, constitution should be your highest stat. Dexterity should be your second. The only cl- stat in this this class that matters unusually is wisdom. Don't worry about that part, though.
1: Yeah, it's... <sighs> I mean, you know, someone who was just pulling shit out of their ass because they were like, uh, well, I guess scavengers need a high constitution. Like, dude, think about it for for like a minute.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, in terms, basically, is someone who was designing from the story, like these guys need high con because they have to live out in the desert and like be alone and deal with radiation and shit. But they don't have any powers that have anything to do with that. No, Instead, they just powers. T- they just have sneak attack, feign death, and the ability to hide in plain sight if they're past level 16.
1: The The weird thing is, they're like, oh, you'll need this uh, high constitution because you have to be in irradiated areas. And I go, yeah, but one of their abilities is to know where high rad areas are so they can avoid them.
0: Yeah. No, this is not a very well thought out class. So you're basically just supposed to take it if you want to get backstab bonuses and to move into one of the prestige classes that's good for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after that is Thinker, which is basically just, like, the only smart person in the world.
1: Yeah, it's, what are you? Uh, I have skills. Okay, what else? No, no, nothing else. Oh, they just have skills. Else.
0: They have Dirty Fighter, which is one of my favorite stupid abilities in this game.
1: It's the worst ability in this game.
0: At, at, it yeah, is so...
1: literally <laughs> a thing that will be used for five levels before you stop using it ever. Because you yeah. get it at fifth. And it's, if you do a full round action, you can attack with plus 1d4 damage in melee, but you're never going to do that once you hit 12 and have a plus 6 slash plus 1, because you'd rather have two attacks than just (laughs) plus 1d4 to one of them.
0: Yes, yeah, and it's just plus 1d4 damage. It doesn't help your accuracy in any way. Uh, So, I mean, it's it's horrible, but that's what it's called. Dirty Fighter, and it's supposed to be, oh, you're very thoughtful when you fight, so you think of ways to deal extra damage.
1: Yeah, you can think of places where it'll hurt to hit him. Yeah. This is terrible.
0: I feel like most people know those. Even the really stupid people know where to punch a guy. Yeah. Uh, you get a skill focus. They get focus. a few bard
1: things. They get uh, yeah. a bardic knowledge equivalent. They get a inspire competence like the bard at 8th level.
0: Yeah, they're basically uh, just bards, but instead of getting spells, they get skill focus every five levels, like one free feat of skill focus.
1: Yeah. So instead they, of having a spell progression, you have a couple more skill points.
0: Yeah. So you get, uh, you know, get inspire other people's skills to make them better at rolling skills because that's the thing that bards can do. You get confusing tirade, which is basically bard fascination. Yeah. But you're you just know.
1: sort of a shitty bard.
0: Yeah. Their capstone is a skill focus feat.
1: Wee. I mean, their last big thing they get is hey, you made it to 15th level as a thinker. Uh, people don't want to kill you now. <laughs> like you are always the last one to be targeted in combat. So I guess that's uh, your Congrats for getting to this level. People don't want to just murder you, even though you're bad at everything.
0: Which is funny. If you consider that the capstone, it's still not quite the worst capstone in the book, because we're about to talk about the traitor. Yeah. The traitor is just skills. It's it's just skills all the way down. It's basically a merchant who lives in the wilderness. And sells things, and they get, uh, they get a free feat at level one from a list of three feats, all of which are related to selling things. Oh then yeah, they get every a-
1: everything they have is, uh, you have some extra skill points, and all of your abilities are you're better at selling stuff.
0: Yeah, they well, they, it's weird. They get surprisingly few skill points considering that they are a skill monkey class. They get the skill progression of fighters. They have a uh, two plus int mod skill points. Yeah. That should not be the way that is. Uh, but anyway, once you once you deal with that, you're going to get a, a couple of skills. Almost every ability they gain as they go up in levels is just a, a rewarded skill focus. So you get spit, spit Polish at second level, which is just plus two to Bluff, Diplomacy, and Forgery. At third level, you get Ear to the Ground, which is plus four to Gather Information and plus two to Appraise.
1: Yeah, that's why you don't get as many skill points per level. Is because everything else is just also skill points.
0: Yeah. You get a bonus feat. Your choices are liked by all silver tongue or vulture vultures, a bonus to uh, search checks. Uh, silver tongue is a bonus to uh, diplomacy checks and uh, liked by all is a reaction adjustment that you can use for the, Oh no, I'm sorry. It's the sales one. It's the one that makes it. So when you sell stuff, you can sell for 110% of its value and buy stuff for 90% of its value.
1: Yeah, all right. the, well, the, uh, the liked by all is every NPC has a friendly first contact reaction. Mm-hmm. Great.
0: <sighs> okay, this is my favorite capstone. It's called Professional Courtesy. Professional courtesy is the eighteenth level trader ability. Uh it is the ac- it is access to fair trials in trade disputes.
1: It's if you went to a town and fucked something up and they would normally just murder you, you can instead call for merchants to give you a trial. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a Oh, I was a big dumb idiot and did a bunch of shit to a town, and now they're gonna kill me. Well, now I can I can go ahead and call on my my merchant friends to instead just impose a fine. Except, my dude, you're a level 18 character. What town is gonna give you shit?
0: Also, how come the trader access to a free to a a, a rightful trial? pops up when you're like a level that less than 1% of traders will ever get to. There's a whole legal system that only exists for an extremely tiny portion of people that everyone else seems to recognize and acknowledge.
1: It's almost like the 1% richest (laughs) people have a legal system that doesn't abide by the same rules as the rest of us.
0: Yeah. Except that we're talking about a post-apocalypse world where you're like, oh, you accidentally fucked over this town of angry mutants with chainsaw hands. Uh, and you're like, okay, well, first of all, parlay. Second of all, let me get my lawyers and shit in here. And all of them are like, like, yeah, that makes sense to us. That's that's the way that we normally handle our shit.
1: Well, it's because they're like, yeah, but if you don't, then the people who bring you potable water will stop coming.
0: I mean, I guess I, I, I assume that that, the, but you don't care. You died. <laughs>
1: Well, you're not dead yet. That's why you get a trial.
0: No, I know. What, what I'm saying is, in game terms, the functionality of this is like, you pissed off this town. They want to kill you. Ah, but I can call for a fair trial, or else they'll they'll never be able to buy from, this, from uh, merchants again. Uh, they don't care. They killed you. So, you know, I guess you can take some solace in the fact that after your immediate death, they stopped being able to buy trinkets.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying now, is, when they would go to kill you, you say, hey, don't kill me because...
0: Yeah, and even then it's it's a it's your it's basically at level eighteen you gain the ability to plead at the mercy of the DM.
1: Yeah, it's it's very stupid. And like I said, you're a level eighteen character. You probably shouldn't give a shit what any town says.
0: You shouldn't be if a level eighteen trader at all. You should have moved to one of the prestige classes a long time ago.
1: But even then, you're like, oh, I'm a level eighteen trader. I've been at this so long. I should probably have my own power armor and a rocket launcher, and I should just tell this town to go fucking chill because I, I don't guess, care. Yeah,
0: that's true. Uh, there's a couple in, uh, of uh, redesigned skills for this game. They are very boring. Uh, basically, there's no new skills, but they did take some skills like craft and add new uh, futuristic stuff to it, like craft well, cybernetics.
1: Yeah. And get rid of things like knowledge arcana that doesn't mm-hmm. make sense and shit like that.
0: Of the new uh, skills that are skill applications that are in the game, I think my favorite is craft tinker, yep. which gives you the ability to stick guns to vehicles but not to make guns or vehicles.
1: Yeah, you can't repair weapons, you can't repair vehicles, but boy howdy can you duct tape a weapon to a vehicle.
0: Yeah, that's and that takes a, a use of a craft skill that you have.
1: Yeah, no one can just tape a crossbow to their arm. You have to have craft tinker.
0: Yeah, uh, now if you actually did want to make guns, that's craft weaponsmithing. There are something like 10 new applications of the craft skill here.
1: Yeah, because it's all just uh cybernetics robotics mechanics electronics because they needed to split everything up
0: then there's a bunch of feats uh the feats are basically boring and worth skipping except for i'd say there's one that that i feel like really needs a mention and that that of course john is i'm sure you're ready to go to is super charismatic no no you don't you don't want to talk is you have a different one you want to talk about
1: oh you mean like concubine
0: (laughs) oh good point thank you for reminding me of concubine or so in-
1: Fertile slash Potent?
0: Well, okay, yeah. Fertile slash Potent is literally the feat you have to take if you want to be able to have kids.
1: Also, there's a feat for Juju Man. hmm <sighs> And that's the, you don't have to roll for incompatibility with medicine, but you have to be Constitution 18.
0: Yeah. And you can only take it as a first level character, so no building your way to an 18 con.
1: Yep. <sighs> okay.
0: Okay. So concubine is what it sounds like. You were a concubine, but you've escaped. I mean, sure, that's an okay feat if you wanted to play like Fury Road, because that's about concubines. Uh, But basically, it's just a plus four bonus to perform checks. Yep, that's it. It's going to get worse from there. And the reason I'm trying to gloss over feats is because there's a prestige class that basically applies to women who had been concubines that is abysmal. Yes, it is. Okay, so John was right, lots of these are bad, but why don't we really quickly, just the first sentence of Super Charismatic, here's a here's a feat you can take. What does it do? It doubles your charisma modifier when you're dealing with crowds. Yeah, that's uh, it. That's all it does. What does it say? You're, you're either the post-Holocaust version of Hitler, or the world is full of gullible morons.
1: Oh, I mean, first of all, shouldn't you be the pre-Holocaust version of Hitler? Because the post-Holocaust version of Hitler is dead in a bunker.
0: <laughs> I mean... Any feat that makes you Hitler feels like they probably should have thought about it and rewritten it.
1: Yeah, maybe don't make that a thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Unless you want to put it under the defect column, like, oh, you have a major defect, which is that you're Hitler.
1: <laughs> you have the major defect, Hitler mustache.
0: <laughs> but but being like, oh yeah, super charismatic. I mean, sure, fair enough. Hitler was a a charismatic speech yeller, but it's still, it's not a good. It's not an aspirational quality of his. Yeah. So. That's stupid. Uh, okay, then there's mutations. Mutations are We've, organized we went over by... It. We went over them to a significant degree. They're organized by who can take them and when. Uh, there's several that that are like neural mutations, which you have to spend a DC to even be able to... Or roll a, a a will save DC to be able to use.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's basically just the neural ones are psychic powers, but you have to try to use them.
0: And some of them are fun mutation stuff, uh, but most of them are just like, you know, horrible real-world mutations.
1: Well, That's all the defects, like I was I, saying before. Yeah, yeah. Your your positive mutations are cool, fun powers. The negative defect mutations are you have tumors. Yeah, that sucks. yeah that's
0: true. Uh, there are a few that are straight-up actual real-world things, though there's like dwarfism and gigantism are benefits that you can purchase for yourself.
1: And as mentioned, autism.
0: Yeah, autism, which is... More or less the old Rain Man definition of autism. It's uh,
1: Oh, occasionally you're super smart about something.
0: Yeah. What? Except that instead of being based on how actual autistic savantism works, where you're like really, really good at one specific thing that your brain just latched onto, it's anytime you make an int check, you can roll a D6, and on a random result, you get a, ra- a plus 20 to your int check this time.
1: Yeah, you got a 50-50 chance of getting plus 20 to a check. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Then there's 50 pages of equipment.
1: There's so much equipment in this, and it is split up into all of the various types. So you've got, like, common things that you would find where, you're like, oh, this is just your your standard weapons that anyone in the wasteland would use, and they, across the board, suck. Mm-hmm. Like, the best weapon ever. In the game, you can get as a simple weapon for a melee is a lead pipe because it does a D8 and has a times two crit bonus. Mm-hmm. Everything else is like a D6, or if you're a baseball bat with nails in it, a D6 plus one.
0: Yeah, there's so many boring new weapons that they added because they're all just garbage you can find. Like if you want to swing a two by four at someone, that'll do a D6.
1: Great, good. They've got all the uh, modern ranged weapons, which go up to a D12 at mm-hmm. the best, because oh, all of the uh, the really good shit, they were just saving for weird lasers and nonsense.
0: Yeah, I just remembered there was a mutation I really wanted to talk about. Give me one second here. Uh, it was the one that lets you turn into things that you kill and eat. Oh, yeah. Um, it's an interesting mutation insofar as it requires that you kill the thing in order to eat it, and somehow your your mutation knows whether or not you did that. Mm. It's called genetic yeah. metamorphosis, and it's the the mutant. Here's the description: the mutant is able to assume the shape and form of any creature it kills by consuming some or all of its genetic material, i.e., the flesh and blood of a falling uh, a, a uh, it says falling being. Uh, I don't know what it means by falling, but it's interesting that your your mutation is smart enough to know that you, like, personally strangled this cow instead of just buying a steak. Hmm. Or more relevantly, that you, you killed the pig and not just took a big bite out of it.
1: I mean, I have to assume that that's not the way they wanted to phrase it, but man, they did.
0: <laughs> they sure did. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that was of note, so... The, yeah John's right. the weapon section goes on forever and could not be less interesting,
1: yeah, you've got like what's this? Oh, it's five different versions of a gun that does a d ten and has a times three critical. What's the difference? Some are more expensive, okay, like there are a few that this game has a automatic weapon thing mm-hmm. where they're like, oh, you can do. Like an extra attack if it's an automatic weapon, or uh, specifically for shotguns, you can do like a cone attack. Yeah, shotguns are fucking amazing though because if you are at like point blank range, you just get to do three d six.
0: Yeah, or firing slugs, then yeah, they become huge damage weapons. Uh, they are slow to reload, however, so you have to be pretty careful with them.
1: Yeah, but uh, I mean, if you're within ten feet of someone. You go, I shoot. You take 3d6. If you are 10 feet away from that, you take 2d6. If you are in a five foot cone beyond that out to the maximum range of the weapon, you take a d6. So it just does a massive amount of damage
0: yeah no it's absolutely huge uh then there's a bunch of power armor and advanced armor types and again the the tone of this book is you are a scrounging mutant living in the desert and you have a stop sign for a shield and you are hitting people with a bat with a nail in it and then there is so much advanced stuff and they're like by the way most of this is gone or impossible to get don't even worry about it but here well, anyway yeah. here's 40 pages on it
1: because normally they're like armor uh there's only a couple types of armor And for the most part, it's real bad, because even if you're like, oh, I get half plate, I get a plus seven AC, I get no dex bonus, and a minus seven on my check penalty, Mm -hmm. and it also reduces my speed by 10 feet and weighs 50 pounds, and like, good lord...
0: Yeah, there's so much in this book that's just unnecessarily punishing or disruptive. Uh, like, for example, you're presumably supposed to be playing as these mutants, but you can't use any of these these medicines without making weird saves. And here's a ton in, of medicines. They basically replace the magic system. You'll find references to the D&D magic system throughout the course of this book kind of buried into... Uh, uh, potion descriptions or random mutations you can get like one of the mutations you can get just gives you the ability to do hypnosis per the spell
1: yes there's a uh, lot of things that is uh, inspire fear in someone as per fear
0: yeah so that's kind of fun that you have to basically go get a different book uh, well granted every OGL game is supposed to require you to go get the actual player handbook, yeah. but to go look up spells to be like okay well your character releases a, st- a stink let me go look up what hypnosis does
1: yeah it's (laughs) man the 50 pages of random bullshit nonsense in here is i understand that i guess this is pretty much the the fat loot tables that you would normally be rolling on Mm -hmm. but for most of it it's like oh uh you'll start out probably rolling on the minor tables for all of these various things because all of the tables are like oh you found weapons but if you find minor you only get a couple of these uh moderate will give the percentage list a little bit better and then if you find major you can get something like an anti-tank gun or a force field belt or stuff like that right but by the time you get that i'm just like man i you start this game as an idiot and you're scrounging and then you're like finally we finished that dungeon aka ruin run. Yeah, we killed we a bunch on of the breath red or whatever. Yeah, we roll on the table and we got a flashlight. <laughs> Yay!
0: <laughs> well, you can barter that, John, for 50 corium. Oh, by can the I... way, cor Yeah.
1: <sighs> corium pisses
0: me off a lot. So corium is basically the the radioactive residue found inside fallen nuclear reactors, and in this world they they mine it for money.
1: Yeah. And it has an entire section beforehand where it's like, oh, things like silver and gold no one cares about because you can't use it for anything in the real world. This is the post-apocalypse and barter is everything. Except, of course, for these weird little bits of radioactive metal that have actually no use as well. But people will barter for it.
0: Yeah, people love having this exceedingly dangerous radioactive metal, so they, they mine it, and then they, they turn it into little discs. It's funny because they're even like, oh, but yeah, by the way, these things, this stuff is so radi- uh, radioactive that it, it's extremely mutating and murderous, so a lot of people have slaves mine it.
1: Oh, yeah, which- they're like, ooh, it's, it's warm to the touch because of radiation, and this is what you've decided your money is?
0: And and I love the part where it's like they get slaves to mine it because it's so dangerous, and then the slaves bring it out and hand it to you. Hmm. You're like, well, I guess if it's not in the reactor anymore, it couldn't possibly. No, it still is. That is the problem. That is the stuff in the reactor that is dangerous. That's yeah. that elephant foot thing in Chernobyl. That's that's what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's very stupid mm-hmm. because I mean, especially because it's prefaced beforehand by that. Gold and silver is worthless because you can't eat it or drink it or kill someone with it. So no one in the like wasteland cares about it. And now, immediately after saying that, here's a money that I'm going to say is important because you can't counterfeit it.
0: It's also... I, oh, yeah, that's right. It's impossible to counterfeit this because it's made out of fallen nuclear reactors. Like, the, the, I mean, one of the problems is that Corium is not... I guess they decided to make it significantly more common, which means in this world, they built a lot more crappy post war nuclear reactors.
1: Yeah, I guess.
0: Because, I mean, the amount of corium there is in the world is rare enough that big chunks of it tend to have names, like, you know, the Hope Diamond would do. Yes. So, uh, I, I guess in this world, that's not the case. And there's enough of it that you can make it into coins.
1: Yep. So there's some uh, prestige classes. Oh, I was also going to say. Oh, sure, sure. In the, in the, uh, the weapons and nonsense. There's also a few things that are basically just magic spells as well. There's a weapon that is essentially the disintegrate spell, and you either disintegrate a person or they make their save and you do damage to them.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn, there's that's that, too much.
1: Yeah, there's a photon grenade that just casts blindness on someone. <laughs>
0: That was one of the fun things about third edition in general was that they had the big ass spell list and they decided to really like lever in and use it for everything so that when you, when you were looking at monster building, you'd be like, what's a pixie have? Well, he's got these hit points. He can fly and here's his spell list. Hmm. Hmm. So running any monster or any piece of equipment or any character takes forever because you have to constantly be flipping through a million spells.
1: Yeah. All right. So prestige classes.
0: Uh, they're boring. Most of them are just either their relations to the backgrounds, or they are relations to the classes. Like they're just advanced versions of the same class. So well, yeah, I example, mean, there's
1: there's a bunch of stuff that is uh like society building things, where like the brethren or the brotherhood or whatever, and they're all just you have joined them. Okay,
0: here is great. a benefit for having done so.
1: You joined the cartel. The cartel is just one of the trade federations.
0: Now, to this book's credit, I was going, whenever I see prestige classes, the first thing I like to do is go through and see what level you have to be of a fighter or a wizard to get into them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because a lot of the time, these books make the mistake of being like, oh, well, if you want to join the Brethren, you need to join this prestige class. And to be in this prestige class, you need to be a level 11 fighter. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, then they don't have any members.
1: Yeah. (laughs) The one that. Really, for me, was like, oh, that's going to take a while. Was the Foundationist Paladin? Yes, you join the the Foundationists, and it's like, okay, first you have to have an intelligence of fifteen or better, which Mm -hmm. nobody but a thinker is going to have. Right, and you also have to have a base attack bonus of plus five, which is going to take you into like level nine as a thinker.
0: Uh, yeah, or if you're a fight, I mean, technically, if you're a guardian, you can get into this by level five. Uh, well, but you yeah, have to, but you'd you,
1: have to have a 15 intelligence.
0: Yeah, so you have to be a guardian who put points into in, into intelligence and has spend, been spending all of his uh, skill resources on cross-class knowledge ancient lore to get to eight ranks, in which case you can get into a foundationist paladin by level character level six.
1: Yeah. Wow. Uh,
0: but, I mean, still, that's still kind of... a These prestige classes have this problem inherent to them where because they are prestigious, like they're high level... They, they make it so that to get into them, you have to be a high-level PC with PC cl- uh, class levels and so on, which most NPCs don't have. And then that's not such a big deal when they are actually prestige things, but a lot of prestige classes are just used to be like, oh, soldiers of the purple crest or whatever. They're, this is just what you do if you're one of these guys.
1: Yeah. When you have something that's like demolition expert, you're like, oh, yeah, no, I, I'm a person and I... I- focused on demolitions and that's my prestige okay that makes sense but when it's something like oh uh i'm one of the brotherhood i i I joined them but i had to be like level 12 to do it so that's weird
0: yeah and is everyone in the brotherhood level 12 then no a lot of them are mooks who don't have levels in this prestige class but this says that this is the the brotherhood Uh, yeah don't worry about it it doesn't it doesn't have to make sense yeah. <laughs> uh the worst one of these by I would say a considerable margin is The Sister of the Desert. Yep. <laughs> so The Sister of the <laughs> Desert is, you know, the the escaped concubines from Fury Road. You're you're a woman who uh for whatever reason got a chance to escape because in this world women, especially fertile women, are universally captured and held as slaves uh and and basically raped to keep the society going. Uh yeah, the there's a where...
1: section in this that <laughs> yeah. has, uh, like, slang for the fallen, <laughs> twisted earth. There are four different slang terms for women, uh, yeah, uh, depending sure. on how derogatory you want to be.
0: Yeah, Amazon for a mean woman, uh, mink for a dangerous woman, furniture... Wildcat for yeah. a uh, sexy woman. And furniture for just women.
1: Yeah, just in general, women are furniture. Mm-hmm. Thanks, game.
0: Yeah, that wasn't gross. Uh, to become one of these sisters of the desert, you basically have to have escaped from being a life of hardship previously. Uh, you have to be a woman, but rarely exceptions are made for, for men who went through a similar life of hardship. Uh, they specifically say that uh, sometimes men are captured for obscene sexual purposes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, some, <laughs> sometimes as an incentive, you'll get to butt fuck the sad boy. <laughs>
0: I mean, I'm just, I'm just noting that, that sex slavery comes up throughout this book consistently, but only when it's gay sex slavery, is it obscene? Yes. Uh, the abilities they get are awful. Uh, they get fascinate, which is their ability to be sexy enough to get dudes to hold still for a minute. So you can kill them.
1: Yeah. It's, oh, if you reveal that you're a woman to anyone, they'll just sit there slack jawed. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Uh, go for the eyes, which is how to injure dudes. So it's basically the it's, uh, quotes the, eyes. Yeah, now, you remember that stupid thinker power we were talking about, where you can take a full round action to get an extra D4. This is an extra D6, but it only works on men. Uh, and it's yeah. eyes in quotes, so you know it's just nut kicks and and uh, wig snatching.
1: And uh, <laughs> then also, you're good with animals because you're such a giant uh, gentle, kind person. Cause you're yeah. a lady
0: and you have superior camo. You can do excellent camouflage because you're so good with makeup. <laughs> oh, keep in mind that if you take the fascinate ability and you're one of the rare men who was forced into sexual slavery and has sense escaped, uh, you don't get that power.
1: Oh yeah. If you're one of the sisters of the desert, but you're a dude, then no one cares if you reveal that you are a dude. You can't fascinate. And this is a five-level prestige class where one of the level's benefits just doesn't happen.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's no point where you can be like, well, okay, but we've met, like, a woman warlord or an obviously gay dude who's in charge of a, of a pack of, uh, like, biker bandits or something. Can't I be like, hey, fellas, I'm exactly your type? No, it doesn't work that way. Don't be gross. That's obscene.
1: <laughs> uh, this fucking game.
0: Uh, then there's a class uh, A1 for pets, and that's the end of the book. If you want to be a character whose whole thing is that you have a, a, a dog or something, so you can do a boy and his dog, there's your prestige class. Yep, it exists. Uh, oh, uh, also, there's a class called the Ranger, which it's supposed to just, or a prestige class called Ranger, which is basically just like, oh, you're a leftover military person who's still trying to live a military life. Uh, the art is a dude in full Confederate soldier garb with a Confederate bayonet.
1: Yep. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> The entire description of this is basically someone stumbled onto an army base, read a whole bunch of propaganda there, and then decided they were going to wander the wasteland being a soldier. But then you showed me a picture of a dude doing Civil War reenactment, and I'm like, this doesn't quite track.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, obviously, he has to go for the one type of army that's not obscene, the Confederate Army.
1: Ah, yes, obviously. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, granted, every kind of race in this or class in this game is some sort of loser. So that does add up. It does indeed. Mm -hmm. So there you go. That's pretty much the whole book. There's just so much bad in this. It is
1: amazing how much an OGL game, because every time we do an OGL, I'm always worried that like, God, what are we going to talk about? Because it's just 3.5 again. Man, this book crammed in a bunch of dumb, awful shit.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, this book was so bad, like my back hurt when I was done reading it. I was like, "Oh, I feel five years or <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, it's it's garbage. This is a garbage book for for no one. Yep. Uh. Okay. Well. Uh. Oh, by the way, when we were talking about how the thinker gets attacked last in combat, it's unless they are perceived to be dangerous. So well, again, if
1: they're the most dangerous, the so capstone, it's like uh, a bunch of people that were walking around with clubs and you had a laser rifle, you're still going to get attacked.
0: Yeah. So their capstone, just like the trader's capstone, is uh, subjective to DM fiat. Mm-hmm. Hooray. Those are good capstones. Yay. All right. Well, anyway, that's pretty much where we're going to wrap this horrible book up. John, uh, may I ask you a couple of questions? Sure. All right. Can you give me the first four and last five digits of your social security number, please? I cannot. Oh, damn. Okay. In that case, can you tell me what your favorite thing about this game is?
1: Oh, God. Um. <laughs> there's really not a lot to like in this. And I want to say that probably the best thing in here is going to be... Uh, I don't even know, man. I I literally cannot come up with something positive to say about this. No, game. No,
0: the the best things about this game are basically the the stuff that's just third editions leftovers, which even then is okay. There's I'll really go ahead
1: and say that some of the positive mutations of like, oh, you can make a a person with segmented eyes or something. I'm like, all right, that's neat.
0: That's exactly what I was going to say. Some of the mutations are kind of fun. You can make a dude who shoots Cyclops eye beams or has a uh, a pheromonal stink that's fun. So some of those are kind of interesting, but they are balanced heavily by how many are literally just actual real world disabilities. <sighs> What's your least favorite thing?
1: Oh, there's so much to choose from.
0: Oh, I know. I
1: I mean, the game is offensive in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> Like the the whole like Ralph the retard thing really hurt deep in my soul.
0: Oh, that comes and up I, a lot. the The word retard or retarded is ri- ripe throughout the uh, mutation section.
1: I think, I think I'm gonna go with that as my least favorite because it seems to be something that they're like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna keep doing this all the time.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna take the treatment of women uh just in general that there are the yep. only words for women in the world are uh mink, amazon, wildcat or furniture and that yep. women's and that if if women get out and are competent and participate in society it's an aberration as opposed to uh, just an unlikely thing yeah so that that's that's trash I, I don't care how realistic they think it is been <sighs> watching too many movies
1: hey everything mm-hmm. yeah this uh this came out in 2002
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Huh. yeah that's remember back in 2002 when when the uh, when the r word was still flying around everyone was i mean i was saying it but i have since learned
1: you know i would say in 2002 i had learned better
0: i i hadn't uh i was still using it as an adjective but i have since stopped uh anyway i just want to uh ask you john would you play this game I would
1: not at all. I mean as much as OGL games are basically pointless, this one is offensive and pointless. So no.
0: Yeah, no, not I wouldn't I wouldn't play this game with a stolen dick. I mean
1: even if you took out the offensive things from this and were like, "Oh, let's just try and run this as like a a gritty post-apocalypse game." That's just not something I want. Something where it's like you better track how much water you have and the radiation you've taken and uh, you're going to get to town and you'll have to bargain for a scrap of bread. I'm like, I don't want this. This isn't the game I want.
0: Yeah, I I just, I, I couldn't possibly. I mean, it, even if you took out the offensive stuff, the stuff that's left is boring or yep. just, just over serious and grim. Uh, I mean, I, I get it, but it's, it's not my, my style. So I'm going to have to say, no, I also wouldn't play this game mm-hmm all right so there you have it no one would play this and we are done with it yay all right so i guess first of all john let me thank you for stopping by uh via our our webcam connection
1: yeah you are so welcome
0: yeah yeah now can i please can i please see your feet bb
1: <laughs> feet please
0: <laughs> yeah you better uh, tip first <laughs> well yeah i gotta tip you some bips or chits or whatever the hell this particular campsite uses
1: Yeah, you better give me coins or platinos or whatever we have. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm going to give you a 35 corium. (laughs) Hey, folks, did you know that sometimes people send us 50 American dollars and we read an ad for them on our show? We do. It's true. We call it Announcement Mastery. And if you want to do one, well, that's easy, too. Just go to SystemMasteryPodcast.com, click on the Give Us Some Money button, and give us some money. I think about 50 bucks ought to do it now as for today's ad read, I'd like to introduce you all to Milk and Honey Comics, which is supporting us. Uh, Milk and Honey Comics is an anthology magazine that features indie cartoonists from around the world. Uh, Each issue has a pair of exclusive interviews with artists and creatives that use their background in sequential art in their jobs and passions. Read over a 100 digital pages of small press comics for free at milkandhoneycomics.com. Also, check out their fun apparel, stickers, and prints. If you like what you see, we are currently running a Kickstarter for our next two issues of Milk and Honey Anthology, and we are in need of your support. Search on Kickstarter for Milk and Honey Anthology 2020 subscription to pre-order the next two issues coming out this year. Give yourself some quarantine reading with Milk and Honey Comics. Well, anyway, uh, that is the ad read that we have for this month. Uh, Once again, super excited to get a chance to do these for people. This one we had to add a little late into the show, which is why John's not around, uh, because... I got excited about this when we first got the ad read, and I went and supported it and read their comics and all this other stuff. And then, because I have the memory of a garden snail, I forgot to put the read in the episode. But good news for you. You get two runs. We'll see you in a few weeks with yet more. And now, back to the show! All right, well, uh, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you, listeners, for being here. As always, we're going to go make bonus content. We're going to go to patreon.com slash systemmastery and put up another episode where we create characters in this fiery trash heap of a game.
1: Yep, you'll get to see what we did with the stuff that they presented us with.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and to do that, once again, you just head on down to patreon.com slash systemmastery and support us at any level. The minimum level's a dollar. That's where you should be if you want to get that basic bonus content. Mm-hmm. So just come on by and uh you'll find us doing another chunk of content, about another half hour. We do that twice a month. There are other levels that reduce or sorry, to reduce that release other content as well, all the way up to seven shows a month on average at the five dollar level.
1: Yes, indeedy. So much stuff
0: otherwise find us at systemmasterypodcast.com or as systemmastery on G- uh Twitter, Gmail, Facebook, Reddit. Find our Discord. You can find a link to it that's always up on our our uh it's pinned to our Twitter. So, visit our Discord and talk to the nice people that are in there. They're all really friendly. We have a really really good Twitter or Discord society. We've got great stuff. Good people. It's a good open accepting community if you're not a horrible person. Yeah. Otherwise, Just want to thank everyone once again. And until such time as we see you in another show, y'all have a good week.